Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators for a successful freelance career and lifestyle with your host, Tess Witte. This episode is sponsored by Translatics, providing professional and beautifully designed business websites for language entrepreneurs. Think big. Jump on the right client's radar with your own attractive website. It's an investment that lasts. Book your free consultation today at translatics.com. Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, the podcast especially focused on helping freelance translators market their services. Now, no matter how hard we try and how careful we are, sooner or later we will run into an unhappy customer or get complaints about a translation. In this episode, we're going to discuss how we can anticipate, prevent, and deal with arguments and complaints from translation clients. I am happy to welcome back this Spanish-to-English freelance translator and translator-trainer, Gwyneth Jones. She has always thought her name, Gwyneth, has been a problem and think that her parents simply made it up. Welcome back to the podcast, Gwyneth Jones. Hello, Tess. Thank you very much. I think I'm going to just call you Gwen, too, because you said that a lot of people call you Gwen, right? Yeah, that's fine. It's our second interview, so yes, I think we can we can move to Gwen now. <laughs> uh, I just so that I don't forget to say Gwyneth instead of ending it with a D. <laughs> so, so your reasoning for using Gwyneth again, right, was because there's not many Gwyneth on Google, right? Yeah, I think that I'm the only Gwyneth Jones on the whole of Google. Okay. So when I first started working on my own online presence a few mm-hmm. years back, I realized that Gwen Jones is quite common because my surname is very common. Yes. And so I did a little search in inverted commas and saw that there was not really anybody else with that name. And so that's why I choose to use the more complicated name professionally. Mm-hmm. Have you confronted your parents about if they made it up? On many occasions. I don't know what (laughs) happened. It was a long labor. I don't think my mum was thinking straight. And I, I, goodness knows what my father thought he was. (laughs) Well, I think it's pretty. (laughs) Thank you. Personally, so. (laughs) I don't think they imagined I would live in Spain when they gave me that name. No, no. So what do they say in Spain? In Spain, they normally call me Gwendy. Okay. I, Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but... Mm. My Spanish name. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm actually my name is actually Therese, but I went to Tess when I moved to the United States because it's just easier. For the pronunciation, I should imagine. Yes. Yes. I was called all sorts of things. Mm. So um, I know we, we you're you're a Spanish into English translator living in Spain, but you're from Great Britain. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about your translation career? Are there any new developments since we spoke last, which was in July last year? Well, since we spoke last, I've been working on developing a course for Spanish to English translators. It's a Mm -hmm. course to help people who want to prepare for the DIP trans exam from the Chartered Institute of Linguists. Mm -hmm. And it took me quite a while to write that. So that's been my biggest project in the last year. Um, okay. it's also, it's, it's good for people preparing for the exam, but I've also got a few students who are just doing it 
for professional development and we mm -hmm. have a lot of fun with that. Um, I've also done a few webinars on prose.com, a couple on Spanish to English translation and one about English writing skills. Okay. So the DipTrans course, is it, how, what, in what format is it? Is it online or? It's, it's well, it's an in-distance in course. It's got 10 modules and mm -hmm. the trainees are sent a module which has a manual that they have to read and complete a series of tasks and then send in a translation for feedback before they mm -hmm. move on to the next one. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. We will put a link to this course in the show notes. Thank you very much. So you mentioned the webinars on prose.com, uh, and one of them that struck my interest was on anticipating, preventing, and dealing with arguments and complaints mm -hmm. for translators. And this is um, very important, an important skill to have as freelance translators, and I would like to discuss this with you today. Very good. So how can we, let's start from the beginning, even before we receive any complaints, when we work with clients, how can we anticipate the complaints? What do you mean with that? What are some good practices for anticipating and avoiding possible problems? I think the first thing that you need to do is not act without thinking, just identify potential pitfalls in whatever job you're being offered. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem that I see coming from the translator's side is non-payment at the end of the job. Yes. Um, I think often they've gone into a job quite quickly and maybe not checked out the, the customer properly or had a misunderstanding and they end up then in a payment dispute, which mm -hmm. is extremely stressful for the translator involved. Um, coming from the customer's side, I think one of the big pitfalls is related to the quality of the translation. Mm. And so, really, you want to have a risk management in process, in process that you do as standard every time you get offered a job, so that you're not leaving anything to chance, not making mm -hmm. any assumptions. So, what, how, what would this risk management process look like? Well, if I get offered a job from a new customer, um, mm. the first thing I, I do is find out who I'm working with, so to try to get mm -hmm. to know them a bit mostly just by Googling them, looking on the pros blue board, looking in the various forums um, on LinkedIn and things like that, and seeing what people are saying about them, if anyone has had any problems. Mm. And the other thing that you want to do is obviously understand the payment terms involved. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, on the blue board, a lot of the time, a lot of the complaints that you can see on there from, from non-payment are actually translators who are, annoyed, who are annoyed because they haven't been paid on 30 days, but actually mm. the agency is saying, well, our per payment terms are 90 days, mm. and so it's not, uh, no one is trying to rip anyone off, it's a simple mm -hmm. misunderstanding, and so mm -hmm. I, think that, I think that is probably what's happening more times, that's, mm -hmm. that's often the problem there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I was, sometimes talking about money is a bit of a, people get shy about it, don't want mm. to talk about things up front. Sometimes they forget, maybe you've been chatting to someone on the phone and you're getting to know them and everything's going well. And so you sort of make a, a phone agreement rather than having anything written. You mm. haven't actually discussed terms 
and then you start on the job without really actually knowing how things are going to go at the end of the job. Mm-hmm. How, what, is there anything in the risk management process before we accept the job um, that we should do to assure that the client isn't unhappy with our job well, or with us? What I would say to you, well, or what I never do, if I always try to look at the text before accepting mm. it and mm. never take anything that you you can't do. I think it's, funnily enough, the more experienced a translator gets, the more specialist they tend to get. And so, for instance, I work in, in legal and business, so if somebody sends me a medical text, I don't mm. even open it. I just send it straight back without even looking at it. Mm. But perhaps when you're starting out as a translator, you haven't developed these kinds of specializations yet, and you're much more likely to take texts that perhaps you shouldn't, that are in more specialist areas mm-hmm. that you don't know about because mm-hmm. of excitement about being offered a big job or because of fear of the customer not coming back, the agency not calling again. Mm-hmm. Although I would say that every time I turn down a text and explain that it's because it's not an error I work with, they almost always write back and say thank you for my honesty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never found anyone get aggressive with me or or not call me again. Yes. No, I have the same experience. Um, and it's much, much better to say no than to risk not producing a good job. Yeah, I mean, also from your profitability. It's, you're mm. much faster working in, in areas that you know. Whereas if you, mm-hmm. if you t- suddenly take on a, a text in engineering when you know about art, you mm-hmm. can suddenly mm-hmm. find you're not making very much money in the long term with it. Yes, although I have had jobs where they send me 20 files and I'm not looking through every each file beforehand. I'm looking at the subject and I'm looking through um, a few of the files. And then I, after I accepted the job, I discovered that one of the files were, uh, the, 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 it was like a use manual and it was the electrical wiring. What did and you do? Um, I just... Did it? I that took me a long time because I had to consult with other translators and do a lot of research. But I did do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I did not come back to the client in mid project and say that I couldn't do it. But yes, yes, it was. Um, yeah. That's certainly something I did when I was when I've been translating for a couple of years, and so I was getting enough customers at that point, and I was mm-hmm. getting, I was. Maybe I trusted the customer, so I didn't look at the text. I just sort of assumed mm-hmm. they'd send me texts that I could do. Mm-hmm. And the same, what you just shared, the same, I ran into that problem on a number of occasions as well, which mm-hmm. is, in the end was my own fault. I should have read the text more carefully before I accepted them. Mm-hmm. It's funny, as a more experienced translator, I now look at the source text much more carefully than I did when I was a less experienced translator, mm-hmm. which is yes. ironic. <laughs> Yeah. True. Mhm. And it's it's important. Mhm. So we we're, were already discussing this. What kind of translation practices then, after we have accepted a job, can we have or do that, uh, or what 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 is it that might cause arguments or complaints? Well, we've we've mentioned that taking on jobs that you're not really skilled or qualified to do. 
which mm-hmm. could lead to genuine complaints and problems for your customer mm-hmm. and will pretty much probably lead to them not trusting you anymore and never calling you again. And that's in, mm-hmm. the, in the best scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, another problem that can come up is when translators fail to meet deadlines. If yes, if they've made it in the end, I think that what a lot of the time the agency has made promises to their customer, hopefully allowing themselves a bit of a a bit of time in case something mm. goes wrong, mm-hmm. but they will be counting on the translator's promise. If the translator has promised you're getting it by three o'clock on Tuesday and it gets to five past three on Tuesday and they haven't got the text and the translator hasn't been in contact, then the project manager is going to be starting to get very nervous and or just making promises and breaking them. I'm going to say, I, I, okay, I, I was knew I was going to, I was supposed to send it at 10 o'clock this morning, but if possible, could I have a couple more hours? The project mm-hmm. manager says, okay, but then the text doesn't come in until four or five in the afternoon and the translator hasn't been in contact. Mm-hmm. It's prob- I think that's probably one of the most stressful situations for the project manager. Mm-hmm. And that I would imagine, whilst they may not make a direct c- complaint to the translator on that day, it may make the difference as to whether they call them another day. Mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. really important, definitely. Mm-hmm. So to prevent this, we should uh, make sure that we have time to finish the job before the deadline, or if we run into some emergency or something, let them know well in advance Yeah, and keep in touch. Yeah. on the process, especially if it's a large project, you can like send an update every week or... Yeah, just check in with them. If they write to you, respond as quickly as you can so that they're not waiting around for your response. Um, you know, just good communications. I think that that can evolve, avoid a lot of problems because if it's a big project as well, another complaint I've heard from project managers is the translator collecting problems until the end of the project and Mm -hmm. then sending all of the problems and doubts at the end, Mm -hmm. which I think makes sense if it's only a couple of thousand words because you don't want to be interrupting all the time and interrupting the the end customer all the time. But Mm -hmm. if it's 20,000 words and they've been sitting on these problems for over a week Mm -hmm. and the customer on the other end is on a tight deadline and they want to publish the translation, then that is something else that I've heard project managers grumbling about mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. so that's another thing to bear in mind mm-hmm. not send the questions in last minute yeah or, well I, if on a big it might for me you'd have to ask other people's opinion for me if it's a, a couple of thousand words then that then it's fine but if it's mm. a big project or it's a serious problem that could affect the job in some way then let them mm. know as soon as you run into into the problem Mhm. Mhm. So, let's say we have looked at the text in advance and made sure we could deliver on time and but we still we, we did our best, but we still run into a dissatisfied customer. We have complaints about the quality or something. What what uh, first of all, what can we do if we get the, these complaints? Well, I would say that the first thing to do is to take a step back and relax because Mm -hmm. it's a job where everything we do is in writing 
And so Mm -hmm. if you get a customer who wants to, you know, complain and complain and say, oh, this could be done this way, this could be another way, then Mm -hmm. there's always going to be something that they can correct or change about your work or not like. Mm-hmm. It's one of the worst things about translation. Everything's in writing. It's not like you can pretend later that you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so remember that and remember that the customer isn't attacking you. They're attacking something about the text that they don't like. And mm-hmm. so if you get a complaint and you start to feel wound up or upset, it's probably better mm-hmm. to wait before you look at it. Mm-hmm. because as soon as you're nervous, you're not going to be thinking logically, you're not going to be able to analyze what they're querying properly, and mm-hmm. you could actually put yourself into even d- deeper problems or get into a fight unnecessarily. Mm. So that would be my step one, just calm, be calm, calm down. Mm. And then you, or what I would do is analyze what I'm dealing with. Try to imagine the person on the other end and see Mm -hmm. what kind of customer I've got here, what is it that they, is upsetting them, and do they have a genuine problem or not? For Mm -hmm. instance, sometimes sometimes you just have difficult people, and I love, I mean, I always remember one job where it was the, the customer, it was an agency job, but it was the customer at the end bringing up the complaints, and what she was doing was she, I think she'd done an intermediate English course in school or something, and she wanted to correct all of the grammar in my translation. Mm-hmm. And so it was a translation of about 400 words, and it came back with maybe 10 or 11 corrections that she'd made, all of mm-hmm. which were actually wrong. She was correct. <laughs> she was correcting it mm-hmm. with her, mm-hmm. her English. And so you feel angry, but actually it's also quite funny And so you want to take those ones with a pinch of salt because really what they need is reassurance. So Mm. you don't want to allow them to waste too much of your time because your time is money and you've got other work to do, but you Mm. need to do something to get them to trust you. So in that kind of situation, I responded to her, her corrections with the grammatical explanation of why what I'd written was, was correct. Very simply, very, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm Only just the facts, just the facts, nothing, nothing personal. Being objective. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I have run into situations where the client has gotten back and said that, um, can you lower the price? The client wasn't happy with the project. Um, And there were a lot of edits. Um, But no, they didn't send the file Mm -hmm. or anything. So my first step is always to say, uh, I am happy to take a look at it, but I look at the file and see see um what the what the problem is exactly so i don't i don't accept anything without seeing what was what they thought was wrong um exactly the customer can't say oh oh i this didn't sound like natural i'm i'm mm-hmm. using english because that's the language i but it could be this yes. it doesn't sound natural enough and well really that is a matter of opinion that is not being backed up by any kind of fact there's no specifics in that complaint. And so you, how on earth, how can you possibly respond to a complaint like that? They, the customer, you need to ask the customer, please, can you send me more details? Feel mm-hmm. free to return the file highlighting some of the phrases that you think don't sound natural. 
mm-hmm. um, that they have to reply, they have to give give specific details of what the actual problem is. I just don't like it isn't a good enough complaint about a translation. No, no. Or it's too literal without explaining what it is or something like that. Yes, because you don't know if they, maybe they have a genuine complaint or maybe they're trying to get out of paying or maybe the customer's mm-hmm. having a bad day, but you don't mm-hmm. know that if you can't see the specifics of the complaint. So one of the first steps is to also ask to see the specifics of the complaint. Yeah, right? and ask the customer to detail it because the other thing is they're going to take a lot of your time when you have to go and, and deal with this. Mm-hmm. And if they have a genuine complaint and if they're a mistake, then that is fine. But if they're just causing problems, it's going to take them a lot of time to detail the, the problems. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not, but it's going to take them a good 20 minutes, a good 30 minutes. They're going to actually have to think about their complaint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's also a period where the customer will actually analyze the text a little more closely. Mm-hmm. And that can affect... If, they, if it isn't a genuine complaint, it could actually be at that point they don't come back to you and just pay because they just mm-hmm. decide, oh, it's not worth it. Actually, the translation is okay. Yeah, that's what happened to me mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, ha- I, so. it's happened to me as well in the past. And so it's a good I, – I just think anything that we do, it's, for me, I'm always thinking about time. I haven't got half an hour to mess around with someone who's just trying to waste my time. Mm-hmm. And so anything you can bounce back, it's it's a good idea to. Mm. But yeah, I don't mean slip. If you've made a mistake, then you have to obviously face up to that. And talking about saving time, the, when I work with direct clients, I always include in the contract, I say, one set of edits are included. Mm-hmm. And then it's, then it's after that, they have to pay me. Right, so yeah. If, yeah, 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 that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. So if they come back to me one time with it, it's, I'm accepting that because we all have company lingo and personal preferences, and that's fine. I can do that. But um, So by that, yeah. do you mean edits that they make to the source text or edits that they want to make to your translation and have you double-check? No, the, the to, to make to my translation. Yes. Yeah, that seems fair. My translate the source that's, the source text should be um, complete by the time they send it to me. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That doesn't happen every time either. So, but we can all have a bad day, and sometimes we did do something wrong, or it was too literal, or we used the wrong word. What do we do? We apologize. We mm-hmm. we recognize that we did wrong and apologize for it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sort of thinking, oh well, fifty fifty. There's more other. There's lots of factors involved here. You don't really write them a long essay explaining that. You just say, oh yeah, sorry, I got that one wrong, and it's mm-hmm. over because the customer doesn't care. They don't want to hear. They don't want a, an essay about the finer points of translating the third condition. No. So, you know, an apology, as long as, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. If you've made a hundred mistakes, then that's not acceptable. But if you made mm-hmm. a couple of slips, then mm-hmm. then that is perfectly normal. And so, yeah, you just say sorry. And mm. they, they will be glad that you responded and glad that you, that you thought about it and applied the changes. In mm-hmm. the end, it's all about problems come up all the time. It's all about how well and how quickly you solve them. Yes, I... 
Um, I have said I'm um, this. I'm, I apologize for this slip, and if you if if there's anything else I can do to make this better, I I'm happy to do that. Or if you need to um, to get a discount, I can give you this and this much discount. Yes, I don't think I would. Well, it depends, I guess, what the mistake was. I don't think I would be forthcoming with the discount. I would wait to see if they asked for one. If they ask for it, yes, <laughs> that's a very good tip. So, do you have any other tips on on managing these complaints in a good way so we don't lose the customer? I think that the first thing to do is to try to put yourself in the customer's position and think what their objectives are, what they care about and try as far as possible as you can to allow them to achieve these objectives. Um, it's not really about you. Mm. And when achieving these objectives that you keep to the point, don't, I've had, you, I, you, we've all worked with people who want to go into detail about everything and have a problem and want to write three paragraphs about the problem. Mm. But when people do that, I rarely will read it in detail because it's simply too much Mm. information mm. so keep it keep it to the point think what are the most important things that I want to communicate here and just communicate that to make sure that they read it because mm -hmm. maybe they won't read your email um, the other thing I, w I was having a, an instance with a guy who I didn't think was reading my emails and so what I did with him was I put one point in one email and waited for mm -hmm. him to respond to that sort mm -hmm. of priority point and then once mm -hmm. I got a response to that, then I put my next point mm -hmm. so that he was basically getting one-liners. Mm -hmm. But that way mm -hmm. we were at least able to move the communication forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think as well just keeping calm. Keeping calm is a big thing. As soon as you get angry and see red, then you can, you can do anything. And if you're putting it in writing, then that can be a disaster because people – who reading on the other end, they might share what you write with people in the office. They might look back at it in a week or a month and say, oh, yeah, mm. I remember that mm. angry person. So, you know, when we're, when we're angry, we often say stupid things and don't show the best of us. And, and even if we don't think we're angry, we're just defensive, it might look angry in the email. So reread the email before sending it. Yeah, definitely. Do you think maybe that sometimes a phone call could help the matters? Yes, definitely. I think that sometimes the tone of I voice think sound can sound off in an email, can't it, when actually your tone on the phone sounds friendly, but the person is reading your email and thinking that you're, you're being aggressive towards them. Especially if the client is upset, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thing, I guess then if you do the phone call and you think you're going to have a non-payment issue or something more serious, you can always send an email after the phone call listing mm -hmm. what's been agreed and listing the important points so that you've got a, re a written record that you can come back to it in the future if you need mm -hmm. it. So hopefully mm -hmm. not. Yes, very good. Okay, uh, finally a question that I do ask everyone and um, what marketing strategy works well for you right now in your freelance translation business well something I've been thinking about lately is follow-up mm -hmm. because sometimes I send a quote to a to an end customer normally and then I never hear from them again and mm -hmm. I forget about it and that's the end of it 
So this year I've been focusing on just making a little note on my to-do list. I use Google Calendar and I just put um, on each day, I put a list of things I have to do. Mm. And so I might say follow up on quotes sent last week and then just drop them a little email just to remind them that I exist and have another contact with them possibly then go and follow them on a social network or something just I'm just trying to work on having increasing the number of contacts with that mm-hmm. potential customer to try and, and get them to remember me that's very important because they I read somewhere or they said somewhere it takes seven contacts before seven um, Oh, Seven. goodness, we need more social networks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> before, before a person put feels like they know you stuff. or buy you probably get put buy. into spammer before that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> mm. But it doesn't have to be seven emails. Yeah, that's true. But, um, Gosh, so. that's a really, I hadn't heard that number. That's a high number. I so, guess. for example, you meet someone at a networking event and you get the business card. That's number one and then you uh, follow up by with an email or a phone call or that's number two and then you connect on social media and that's number three and then you get a bid or send send some send an offer or something that's number four and then you follow up on that that's number five and etc so mm. it's hard work yep yep so this uh, follow-up strategy this year has um, been profitable for you? Has it given any results? If I'm honest with you, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay. I'm continuing to try. Although, to be fair, based on what you've said, I'm only getting two or three contacts in, so maybe I should be be working a bit harder at it. It's only something well, I've been trying for the last two or three months, and so I am still to get results. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying that I do all those seven. It's just what I've heard from some networking marketing guru. One thing I can tell you is that I see people doing it with on the social networks where they um, sort of say, first they connect with you, then they might introduce themselves and you're still not very interested. Then they might share your content and you start to pay more attention. And mm-hmm. then maybe they make another comment on, on your content. And mm-hmm. I can see watching them that it that I am getting to know them and that the mm-hmm. process is working, which is actually what has motivated me to try and make a greater effort with it in the last few months. So even though my results aren't great so far, I think it's a good idea. And it might take time. Yes, I think it must take quite a long time because you don't want to, to be stalking someone, do you? You need to give them... Yes, but if you follow up, that person might remember you better for some future mm-hmm. project. That's perhaps. true as well. Yeah, maybe in a year or a year or two's time. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. Um, as people say, an ounce of prevention is, is worth a pound of cure. And you gave us some tips here on how to prevent complaints, but also how to deal with them in a professional manner. So thank you, Gwen. Gwyneth. Thank you. So you will find links to Gwyneth's webinars in the show notes and to her blog. I will put them in the show notes under marketingtipsfortranslators.com under podcast. Um, On marketingtipsfortranslators.com you can also check out the other free marketing resources for translators. And thank you so much for listening. 
everyone, and I hope you have a good day and that you won't receive any complaints because we've prevented them all. Have a great week, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. Download more episodes from www.marketingtipsfortranslators.com. If you like the show, a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. 